0: I needs it. You got this. <laughs> hey, let's pray very quickly. Father God, thank you for this time we can spend together. And thank you for being our father. And father, we just pray that you would, uh, you would strengthen each dad here um, through your Holy Spirit, that you would help us to be the examples that we need to be. In the lives of those around us, help us to set the tone of what it means to be pure in our hearts and with our lives and pray, dear God, you give the strength. You'd give the strength that we could lead those around us down a path of righteousness because of the work that you're doing in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Last week, we looked at Proverbs chapter seven and we talked about what it was to live a life of purity. We said that God was not going to ask us or command us or challenge us to do something that he wasn't going to give us the ability to do. That's so important. As difficult as these topics are, and they are difficult. God gives us the strength to do it. God gives us the ability to do it, to walk in the way that he calls us to walk. We said that Proverbs chapter seven helps us, gives us four steps to overcoming temptation and living a life of purity. And the first step, we said that if we we want to live a life of purity, we have to be people of the word. We have to be people who live by the word of God. And the word of God is extremely clear on this subject. And I really appreciated the different emails that I got this week and, and uh, phone calls and just texts and things like that. And people tell me their stories of how last week's sermon impacted their families and their lives and even some of the challenges that I, I received. And I just, I just want to say that, um, that I will continue to preach from the word of God um, and regardless of what the culture stands for, what the culture says in this church, I will I will hold the expectations of the word of God to uh, I will hold us to the to the expectations of the word of God. And. Um, and on and on this subject, on this subject, the word of God is very, very clear. It's very clear in Ephesians chapter. And there's many more passages. I just like to use this one. Um, In Ephesians chapter five and verse three and four, it says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because of these, because of these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be any obscenity. Foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. And uh, we look at that passage and we talked about it last week. We'll talk about it a little bit this week. We're going to weave these two together because um, we talked last week about there's four steps to uh, to uh, to becoming to living a pure life and overcoming temptation. And we we talked about the one last week. and We're going to talk about three more this week. And we want to build on that foundation. But listen, we need to hold to the word of God. And so many times people will say, well, it says that there, but then over here it says this and over here it says that and the culture at the time and blah, 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 blah. And those are all pretty much, I'm just going to say, lame excuses for justifying uh, stepping outside of God's. A uh, perfect law if you will on the in this area of the word of God And so we want to hold to that strongly here at Grace Chapel And so I believe that I believe each one of you has a desire in your heart To live out the life that God has called you to live in every area in every area And so let's look at number two the second step the second step says if we want to live a pure life we have to learn to avoid tempting situations We have to learn to avoid tempting situations. This week is going to be a little more practical, obviously biblical, but more practical. And here's the thing about tempting situations. It's really hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard to to try to live that way in our lives? And remember, we're all in this together, okay? There's no one in the room who's perfect There's no one in the room who doesn't struggle in some area of their lives. Even as you came in, I did this back here just just for my enjoyment. But uh, as you you walk by, there's like cookies and cakes and pies and things like that out there. It says, do not touch. And then there's a lot of money on the table. My money. So you better not have touched it because I'm going to count it after it's all over. No, but there's money on the table. And all these things, all these things, uh, uh, you know, are to, to, to illustrate that we all face so many different temptations. Don't open this. Don't look at this. Don't turn this over. The magazines are back there upside down. Obviously, this is not a very progressive church when it comes to those kinds of things. So those magazines you could turn over and you'd see nothing. Um, but just making the point that there's all these different kinds of temptations in our lives and it's hard to overcome. The only concern I had were kids who couldn't read stuff in their pockets with my money. OK, so if you get home and you realize your kid has money in his pocket, you realize your kid's a thief. No, uh, the, the <laughs> No, no, I was thinking to myself and people were saying, well, what if the kids can't read? I say, well, then we lose a few dollars. Um, but if you took money as an adult, you put it in the offering box. OK, that'll that'll straighten that whole thing out. But we face these all the time at work. You know, we, that's an illustration of what we face at work when someone asks you to fudge the numbers or if they if they say to, you know, to do this, we need to close this deal. So if we just did this or maybe it's taking things from work, oh, they're not going to miss this. They're not going to miss that. They got plenty of staplers. I'll, I'll need, I need this one at home. All those things are t- temptations that are constantly in our face, that are constantly in our face. So how do we overcome those temptations? Well, one of the ways is that we can try our best to avoid them, avoid them. In Proverbs chapter seven, verses six through nine, it describes a tempting situation. It says, at the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice and I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. So let's look at some of the mistakes he made. We're trying to avoid temptation. How do we overcome? How do we live a life of purity? We try to avoid temptation. Number one, first thing he did, okay? He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he put himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. He knew if he went down that street, that road at twilight when it was getting dark, he could hide in the shadows a little bit, maybe someone wouldn't see him. And he knew he you know it was probably one of those things, well, you know, I'm not I'm not planning on go but in his heart and his mind he was. He put himself in a very, very tempting situation. How often do we do that ourselves, that we put ourselves, we know, we know what really tempts us, but we, we play this game in our minds and we put ourselves in tempting situations. So he did that first thing he did wrong place at the wrong time. The second thing he did wrong was he allowed his mind to drift. He allowed his mind to drift even before he started walking down that street. Okay. He allowed his mind to go there. The hint. See, therein lies the problem. It was the hint. He allowed his mind to go there, and then the rest followed. Solomon says he had no judgment. He had no common sense. This was someone who wasn't really, really thinking it all the way through. He thought it through, but only at this level. He didn't think it all the way through and some of the things that could happen to him so he had no common sense he had no he lacked judgment he knew where he was going and he chose to wander into dangerous territory how often do we choose to wander into dangerous territory we know if we put ourselves in certain situations that we're going to get ourselves into trouble we find ourselves in dangerous situations, for example, when we go online. And I'm not just talking about the, the things that you would normally think about, though I am discussing what we're talking about that as well. But let me give you an example of maybe walking down the street and eh, you get online and you start to, some, you be, someone says, I want to be your friend. And, oh, lo and behold, it was someone from 20 years ago who you dated in high school. Start talking to them, very innocently start talking to them. Right. You're in the conversation. It's no big deal. All of a sudden, the conversation gets a little bit. The Holy Spirit's telling you it's not the right conversation. And so, you know, click off your. But then you, maybe the next day or two days later, you're back in having the same. You're, you're back in a conversation with that person. That is walking down a road, you're wandering down into dangerous territory, putting yourself in a situation where you could really harm yourself. That could be with with anything, what, what you watch, what you see, the things you listen to, any of those kinds of things. We know we're going to be tempted, but we choose to do it anyway. We choose to do it anyway. We know that it's best not to watch a certain channel at a certain time of the night, if we have cable TV or whatever else and it's not blocked, we know at a certain time this this stuff kind of may be on, but we sort of put ourselves in a situation where we we don't have anything blocked, we don't have any accountability, and we sit there and click through channels knowing if we go up to this channel, something may be there. That's that's walking yourself into a dangerous situation and the Bible's saying, hey, you need to avoid those things. You need to avoid tempting situations. You need to get out of those situations. When you allow your mind to drift your body will follow the rest follows it starts right here it starts right here when you when you put yourself right on the edge we talked about this last week when you put yourself right on the edge sooner or later you're going to go off there's a story i love it's about a tourist uh, company that um that that had a um one of its routes was up a mountain path and the path the road got very very narrow and so they needed some really good drivers to bring people up the mountain pass so people could look off to the side and see all the beautiful waterfalls up on this mountain. A lot of cool things. People wanted to get up there. So the tourist bus people said, we need to find some good drivers or a good driver and uh, so that get, to get these people up the mountain. So they they put an ad in the, the newspaper and they got three Good bus drivers who who came and, and interviewed and then they interviewed for the job. They asked each of the bus drivers one really important question when they said they said when 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 you turn the corner on a narrow road, how close to the edge can you get without slipping off? He said to each of the drivers, how close to the edge can you get in these, on these narrow roads without slipping off the edge? The first guy says, well, I'm an expert. I've been, driving, I've been driving buses like up this way and for narrow roads most of my life. I'm an expert. I can get within a foot. I can get within a foot of the edge of that cliff without slipping off. Trust me. Done it before. Many times. Get right along the edge. Second guy comes in. They ask him the same question. He says, hey. Listen, I'll tell you something. I'm fearless. I'm so fearless. I've had half my tire hanging off the cliff. I just zip right around there and just hanging right off. I'm fearless. The people are all yelling, but I've never gone over the edge. Thank you for sharing. Third guy comes in. Third guy basically says, You know, I stay as far away from the edge as possible. I stay as far away from the edge as possible. I would never get close enough to find out. Because when I go up those mountain roads, I hug hug the wall of the mountain. I I stay as far away as I possibly can. So I wouldn't know how close to the edge I can get without falling off. Who do you think got hired? The third guy, right? The third guy. 1 Corinthians 6.18 puts it this way. And and this is is the first part you want to just ingrain in your brain, 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 free, flee from sexual immorality, flee, flee, run away, get out of there. Stay as far as you possibly can flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body, the smart person stays away from the edge, doesn't doesn't play that game doesn't say, oh, I'm so brave, I'm so fearless, oh boy, I can get right up to the edge, I can do it, I would never fall off the edge, I've played with that before. No, they stay. They say, I would rather find a different road. If I can find a different road up the mountain, I'll take that path instead of the one that's too narrow. The smart, smart person, the wise person stays away from the edge. We need to be wise enough to know that we're not strong enough in our own power. To handle some of these situations. It's not being spiritually immature. It's being spiritually mature to know that this is too tempting. This is too much. I actually saw some people hug the back row of chairs there and stay as far away from the cookies and the cake and everything. It was actually funny. They, could, they walked in, they could smell it and they saw it and they, were just like, they stayed like as far away as they could. I don't think they even noticed it, but it was just funny to watch. That's smart. Those are, I could smell that from up here for goodness sake. That's good stuff, right? How many of you? How many of you actually uh, felt? Don't raise your hand, but think about it. How many were kind of tempted? There was money laying on the table, and you know, and there's cakes and pies and all that kind of stuff. Hey, here's the thing: for the dads on your way out, you can have some. It's Father's Day, okay? It's Father's Day. Men, 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 men. Right, exactly. It's Father's Day. Put a little weight on it. That's all right. Um, and if you want to share, you're, you're more than welcome to share. And the high schoolers can going to have a feast tonight for those that, that dads don't eat. But that's what we're talking about. Staying away from the edge. Wisdom says, wisdom says, I want to avoid this. I want to avoid this. We need to be honest with ourselves, And not put ourselves in those situations. Being honest. There are certain things in your life that you don't want to put in front of you because you, for whatever reason, you fall in that area. So you avoid it at all costs. Don't play that game. If you struggle with alcohol, it's probably not the best thing to go to that party or hang out at that bar where you're going to find the greatest temptation, where the struggle is going to be the greatest and most difficult, right? That's simple. Whatever it is for you, we're talking about purity. But We can talk about every area of our lives. If you struggle in this area, stay as far away from the edge as humanly possible. Get people around you who will hold you accountable to staying away from the edge. If you know a friend struggles with some of these things, don't say, hey, why don't we go clubbing after 12 and hang out and do... All... If you know someone struggling in those areas, if you know someone can't really handle it, don't put your friends. Don't put yourself. But don't put them in this. Love them enough to help keep them away from the edge. If you know that we're watching certain TV shows or or or, or, or certain uh, movies or. Or, or 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 hanging around with the wrong people, if you're struggling in those kind, with those kinds of things, you need to take the advice of first Corinthians and flee, run from them, get as far away as humanly possible. Don't dance along the edge. You know, if they're if they're if you're struggling with going online, for example, put some safeguards in place. It's almost impossible not to get online. But if you are struggling, put some safeguards in place. Get an accountability partner. That's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with being smart enough to put blocks on your TV and get accountability partners. So that if you go wherever you go online, it gets sent to that person's email and they see every place you've been. That's not that's a smart. That's a wise. That's a spiritually mature thing to do. Even if you don't struggle even that much, it's a mature spiritual thing to do because it keeps you on the right path. So if, for say someone at work is, is, is uh, interacting with you in a way that makes you uncomfortable, stay away from that person and let them know in no uncertain terms that you are not at all interested. At all, you're not at all interested. Let them know that you're not interested. But here's, here's the problem. We, we do that, but we, we do that to a point but then we just leave the door cracked open a bit. I'll say we leave it cracked open a hint, a hint. Frank P. Jones wrote, what makes resisting temptation difficult for some people is they don't want to discourage it completely. They don't want to discourage it completely. So, they, you know, well, you know, I'll put up a little bit of a thing, but see, a fool, a fool Puts themselves in tempting situations. A wise person runs away, stays away, keeps away, avoids it at all costs. You can't. Here's the thing. You can't anticipate all the challenging situations you're going to go through. You, you, you just you can't always anticipate challenging situations, but you can respond the right way when it happens. I love this quote by Martin Luther. He said, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from making a nest in your hair. Right? Think about that. You can't, you can't, every, you can't anticipate every challenging situation you're going to face in life. You can't keep the bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from making a nest in your hair. You can make once those things come, you can make the right decision. And it's easier to make the right decisions when you haven't put yourself in a compromising situation over and over and over again. Listen, when you're trying to lose weight, man, don't get a job at the bakery. Right. Right. If you're struggling with alcohol, don't don't become a bartender. I mean, those are kinds of just common sense things that Proverbs tells us. Avoid it. Flee from it. Run away from it. Don't put yourself in those difficult situations. When it comes to to tempting situations, God's word is absolutely clear. Run for your life. Run for your life. Run for your life. Don't let your mind drift. Don't debate it, okay? Don't play the edge game. Don't debate it. Don't think to yourself, well, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but I'm strong enough to go and hang out in that situation without, without tempting, being, being tempted and falling off the cliff in this area, that area, this area, this area. Don't put yourself in those situations. Don't don't play those games in your head. Run, like, like I said, for your life and stay away. And listen, when you do that, don't build a bridge. OK, don't build a bridge because here's what we do. We get away, but we leave kind of breadcrumbs or we build the bridge. We choose to build a bridge back and the bridge goes both ways. We can kind of get back there or that can kind of get to us. Don't build that bridge. What I mean is don't flirt with it. Don't flirt with it. When you flee temptation, don't leave a forwarding address. And that's what we do. I have learned over the last 30 some odd years of being a pastor. This is about this is more than just the physical guys. This becomes a mind game. This becomes a mind game that we play. And we need to make sure we're not building bridges back, we're not leaving breadcrumbs back where people can find us or we can find our way back. We're not we're not leaving a forwarding address. See, most people want to be delivered from temptation. They say, I want to be delivered from this temptation, but at the same time, they want to keep in touch. Right? You want to be delivered, you wanna but you kinda of wanna keep in touch. Don't play that game because you will lose that game almost every single time. And if you play it often enough, you will lose it every single time. So here's one of my quick suggestions. If you have things in your life right now, on your computer, on a disc, or whatever else that you have and you know you have it, when you leave here today, get rid of it. Erase it, throw it out, burn it, whatever you need to do, get rid of. Because when you put, when you keep those tempting things in your life, when you build a bridge and you keep the bridge to it, when you close the door but leave it open just a hint, when you leave a forwarding address, sooner or later you're going to find your way back or it'll find its way to you. Get rid of all of it as much as you can get it out of your life while you're thinking rationally and clearly and spiritually. Get it out of your life and then get some accountability in your life to hold you there. Number three, we can live a pure life if we consider the consequences. We need to consider the consequences. This is huge. This is absolutely huge. Consider the consequences. I was talking to a young man who had cheated on his wife actually multiple times. And as we talked through the issue the first time we talked to the issue, he, he and he described what had happened and what brought him to that place. I realized I said to him, you have no stop or yield signs in your life. You have no stop or yield signs in your life. You lack the internal no. You lack the internal no. There are situations, there's certain people in life, okay, that don't they don't think through the consequences. They don't they, 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 I basically told him, you live by your emotions, you get yourself in a, you put yourself in a situation, and then when the situation presents itself, you don't, you don't, you just, you let your emotions kinda drag you right through it. There's a story. Um, and I, I learned this at a conference I was a part of this week. It's called uh, Dr. DeSoto. And Dr. DeSoto is this little mouse, right? And he's a dentist. And he takes care of all the animals, loves all the animals. He takes care of big animals and small animals. But the one, one animal, one group he won't take care of are dangerous animals because he's a mouse, right? So he does. he says, no cats. You know, no, you know, things like that. He doesn't want to be a part of it. And so a fox comes and basically says, oh, you know, I'm I'm really having a hard time. He's in agony and he's crying outside. And and so the Mr. DeSoto, Dr. DeSoto and his wife feel really bad for the fox. They let him in. They want to take care of him because he's a doctor and he really cares. And so the fox is like, thank you, thank you so much. I'm in so much pain. And he sits down in the chair and Dr. DeSoto climbs up his ladder and gets in the fox's mouth. And as the fox is sitting there, the fox is being taken care of. The fox, because his nature is a fox, is thinking, would it be wrong for me to eat Mr. DeSoto after he's finished taking care of my teeth? He said, you know, he thinks to himself, a little bit of salt and white wine with this mouse would just be perfect. That's what he said. It would be perfect, you know. And he's thinking this, and Mr. DeSoto gives him some gas later on, and he starts talking out loud, you know, oh, just one tasty nibble or whatever he says. And, and so Mr. DeSoto realizes he's thinking this. But the fox, my point is the fox, in a sense, he, he lacks the internal no. He knows it's wrong, but he finds himself being pulled right in. And so he decides, I'm, when this is all finished, I'm going to eat Mr. DeSoto. Well, just to make sure you understand, no one walks out here really sad. Um, Dr. DeSoto figures out what he's going to do and basically gives him um, some magic stuff. He puts on his teeth. He tells him to close his teeth and the fox closes his teeth and he puts some basically crazy glue on his teeth and the fox can't open his mouth after he's all done. And he, uh, it takes him like two days to open his mouth and Mr. Dr. DeSoto doesn't get eaten, nor his wife. Okay, that's important to know. Um, <laughs> but the fox, my point is, my, the fox... Cannot, he doesn't have that internal no. Listen, if you don't have... Remember, we talked about self-reflection. You need to know yourself. If you don't have that internal know as strongly as other people, you need to decide beforehand what you're going to do in a certain situation. And then you need to put those things in place. Decide beforehand what you're going to do in a certain situation. Before it happens, you need to consider the consequences. I, number one, I shouldn't put myself. I shouldn't walk down that street. I shouldn't put myself in that situation. But if I find myself in that situation, Lord, help me work out what I'm going to say what I'm going to do. I'm just going to react. I'm not going to think I'm not going to. I'm just going to decide beforehand and I'm going to walk away. If you don't have the internal no going on in your life as much as others, then that's what you need to do. You really need to process through the consequences. Solomon lays out the consequences in, in Proverbs chapter seven, very, very clearly here. He doesn't paint a pretty picture. He uses some terminology. He says it's like an ox being led to the slaughter. That's the first consequence. Ox led to a slaughter. Do you know what what a slaughtered anything looks like? Have you ever seen something that is slaughtered? It's nasty. It's messy. It's unrecognizable. He's saying, "Listen, this is you. If you go down this road, this is what's going to happen in your life. You're going to get slaughtered." He said, "It's like a noose and a deer. It's like the deer walks into the noose." Have you ever seen an animal caught in a trap? The fear and the stress and the struggle knowing that its life is in the balance. If it doesn't get loose from this noose, it's going to be all over. And then he uses the word snare. Like, have you ever seen a bird caught in a snare? Or a a bird caught in a net, for example. And it flops around. It's pathetic. It's pitiful. It's just the most you know the little bird just he can't get out and he's just trying to struggle his way out that's what he says your life is going to be pitiful your life is going to be a slaughter it's going to be tragic it's going to be filled with stress and anxiety and all these things he says think through that before the situation happens because here's the deal you bait a trap and the world shows you this bait and it looks so, like, so much fun. And they say, Oh, this is going to be so much fun. Is it going to be alcohol or anything at the party? Is it going to be, what are we going to be doing? I know last time there was a lot of stuff going on in the basement. Oh, no, no. I mean, who cares anyway? It's going to be so much fun. You should come. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to do all these things. And so they say, Fun, 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 fun with the bait. And so you take the bait. But what they're offering and what is delivered are two different things. The fun is not always as fun as you thought it was going to be. It's it's a trap. It is a trap. You know how they catch monkeys in parts of the world? They take coconuts or they take gourds and they drill a little bitty hole in a coconut or gourd and the weeks a couple days before they throw candy out. And the monkeys come and eat the candy. Love the candy. Sweet candy. They're sitting around eating candy in the trees, eating candy. This is great, free candy. They get a gourd and they put some candy in the gourd. And they tie the gourd to a string and they tie it to a tree that the monkey can't get away from. And the monkey comes and sees the gourd and says, Look, this looks delicious. This is awesome. The people are offering the monkeys free candy. And the monkey takes his hand like this, right? And he sticks it to the hole so the only way he can get it in there. And he figures and he gets the candy and he closes his fist on the candy. And the monkey wants the candy now because the candy's really fun. It's really good. I have to have this candy. And he holds onto the candy. You know, what the, you know what the person does? Takes the club, walks up to the monkey. The monkey could drop the candy, pull his hand, and he doesn't. He holds on to the candy. The guy walks up, clubs him, puts him over his shoulder, and takes him and eats him. It was so, look at all this free. Oh, it's so much fun. It's so great. It's so great. The, the trap offers you one thing and delivers another. Henry Ward Beecher wrote, all men are tempted, but there is no all men are tempted. But there is no man that that lives that can't be broken down, provided it is the right temptation put in the right spot. Agree or disagree with him. That is a powerful warning. That is a powerful warning. You got away with going to that party. You got away with hanging out with that person. You got away with that tempting situation that you found yourself in. You led, but you, you were able to get out of that situation. You keep putting your hand in the coconut, okay, and find out how long you're going to last. The trap offers you one thing and delivers another. Newton's third law. Newton's third law. For every action, right, there is an opposite and equal reaction. When we sin, there are consequences. You don't sin in isolation. Sin causes, has consequences. Whether you, quote, got away with it or not, you haven't. Because there are consequences that we all face. The next time we are tempted to cross the line, rehearse the possible outcomes in your life. For example, go through it in your mind. What are the physical what, what could happen to me physically if I choose to do this? Well, there's a whole host of diseases that you could get entering into an impure relationship, right? We all know that. We've all seen that. Go through that in your mind. What can happen there? Women, I know, they've done studies on this, but I find fascinating. Women who have more, the more partners you have as a woman, the better your chances of getting um, certain forms of cancer, cancer from that kind of behavior. You could say to yourself, wow, if I engage in this behavior right now, I could get pregnant. I could get someone else pregnant, whatever the case may be. You know, honestly, before I was a believer in Jesus Christ, that kept me from walking over the edge, from going over the line. I processed through, this could happen, this could happen, so should I do this? Because I have that internal no. It, it, it's like a flashing light in my mind, that internal no. But if you don't have it, you need to even think it through in in greater detail. Have it emotionally and, and mentally. You could relive that experience in your mind over and over and over again. Sometimes you can't get those thoughts that you put into your mind out of your mind. And that becomes very difficult when you have other relationships. In many cases, it leads to addiction. You get engaged in something and that leads to an addiction. And if you talk to counselors who are experts on addiction, they will tell you that sexual addiction is even more powerful than alcohol and drug addiction. The chemicals released in your brain are so powerful so if you've if you've avoided whatever at, the, at this point if you continue to behave in a certain way it could become an addiction and that could destroy your life. How about relationally? Think about it relationally. You could you could destroy the 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 example and the credibility that you have in your family. I could as a person as a father destroy the credibility that I have, the example that I've been setting in my family. You lose trust with the people around you. I'll tell you the truth. I'm going to be honest. There is no woman on the planet that overrides my thought process when it comes to me having to go sit down and face eye to eye with my wife and my, and my daughters and my son and tell them what I have done. And then after that, having to come face every one of you and stand up here and say, I have sinned or I have whatever and lay it out to you. There's no woman on the face of the earth as I process it through in my mind that is, can override in my mind. The the, the thought of standing before the people that I love so much and saying, I have behaved in this manner. It matters. You think this stuff through. You think through the consequences and you start to look at the world in a different way. You start to see things not as temptations all the time, but as threats. This could ruin my life. This could completely ruin my life. How about professionally? All the time that you've spent developing and and, and working on and and your credibility. Politicians, my goodness. Do they not know? Uh, My phone's down here. Do they not know if you take a picture and send it that someone else might hold on to the picture? scandals, they destroy their lives when it comes to their professional life. You waste years of working, building a reputation of character. It is not worth it. But they don't think it through. They don't think through the consequences. They just go by their emotions, by their desires, by their feelings. And I'm going to tell you, everybody's in the same boat here. We all have to work on this in our own minds. There's, there's no sin That is not common to man. We all face. But if you do some of these things the Bible says to do, you can you can overcome them spiritually. You say, well, I've gotten away with it all. No, you haven't, because spiritually it's destroying your spiritual life. It is grieving the father. It is. And if when it comes, be sure your sin will find you out. It will jag the name of Jesus Christ through the mud. Spiritually, it is terribly. It is. It affects you terribly. Proverbs six twenty seven through twenty nine. Solomon says this: Can a man embrace fire and his clothes not be burned? Can a man walk across coals without scorching his feet? So it is with the one who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. The warning is absolutely clear. When you cross the line, there. Are consequences. There are always consequences. And my friends, that is helpful. Why does God tell why does God do this? Why does God say these things? Why? Because He loves us so much. He He's not a cosmic killjoy. He wants us to enjoy the pleasures of life, but within the boundaries that He's created, because if we step outside of the boundaries, He's God. He knows what kind of suffering and difficulty we're going to face in our lives. The relationships we're going to destroy. The friendships we're going to destroy. Number four and last, we can can keep our lives pure if we guard our hearts and minds. If we guard our hearts and minds in Proverbs chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, it says, Now then, my son, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray onto her path. Do not let your heart... See, in Hebrew thought... The heart is the seat and center of our emotions. The heart is the, is, is, is the one that controls our behavior and our, and, our, and our actions and our desires and our thoughts and our intentions and, 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 and our reasoning and our will. The heart is the seat of all those things. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19, he says, for from the heart come evil thoughts. Murders, adulterers, sexual immorality. And then in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28, he says, everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He brings us back to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3. Let there not be a hint. Let there not be a hint. A hint. Why does Jesus say that? Because he doesn't want us driving along the edge he doesn't want us dancing along the edge of a cliff that he knows. He knows the end result. He tells you to stay away from the edge. Sin will bring you misery. A hint enters our minds and our thoughts. And it brings our, our bodies along with it if we choose to dwell on those things. You no, know, the high school students will be meeting tonight at 6.30. Go over this in more detail. And you think that we're getting deep here You should come to high school. But here's the thing: I get I get I get people telling me all the time, "You better you better calm down with the high school students. They're not going to come back to church." Can I just be clear? If you're a high school student, you are giving your life to Jesus Christ, you don't get a pass from 13 to 19. There's no hall pass here. You don't get to, you don't get to, I'm going to close this. So I'm going to just close this when it comes to you high school students because or junior highers because God expects less from you. And gosh, if we, if we maybe, maybe push you too far, you're going to rebel. Oh, wait a second. Is this my relationship with Jesus Christ or your relationship with Jesus Christ? If it's your relationship with Jesus Christ, then why is what I'm saying causing you to rebel? Don't you want to be pure before God in your heart? Don't you want to follow Jesus Christ, the one who died for your sins that you committed your life to see you? Sometimes we have low expectations of high school students that that's a, Then they'll meet those expectations. I have very high expectations of high school students, and I expect them to meet those high expectations. Do I expect perfection? Absolutely not. Does the word of God, it's not me, it's the word of God. Does the word of God expect perfection? No, it does not. And when, when, when you, when you're 58 or, or 18, when you fall, you know what? God will forgive you and you move along. But may, let me be clear. You lower your expectations with children and they'll meet them. They'll meet them. I, I believe in our high school students. Let me tell you, we, we were talking about a hint last week. I know I'm going over here. Oh, it's only a couple minutes. Um, but let me tell you the words they use. We talked about a hint. I said, what does a hint mean to you? And listen to the words they use. A pinch. A glance. A thought. A sliver. And other words. Those are the words they use. They understood exactly what the word of God was saying. We talked about it in great depth. We talked about the struggle that they face. We were real. We we were real together. That's what they're looking for. That's what I think that's I think people are looking for. People are looking for truth. People are looking for honesty. People looking are looking for authenticity. And that's what we have to that's what we have to give from the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? I was so proud of them. You would have been so proud of our high school students walking this through, talking this through, being honest about the struggles that they face and their desire to overcome those struggles. Don't you sell them short. okay? don't fathers, especially Father's Day. Don't you sell your children short. You set the example and you set a standard for them and they will live up to it. See, our actions are important, but it starts with the mind. It starts with the thoughts. Remember that old saying, watch, it says, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your character and your character becomes your destiny. But it starts with your thoughts. It starts with right here. See, the only effective and lasting way to change our behavior is to change our minds. Listen to me, to confront the hint right there. That's why Jesus said, if you thought it, you've done it. Why? Now, if thinking about something and doing something are two different things, and Jesus knew that. But what he's saying is, if you, if you think it, it you, when you start here, you need to confront the hint. You need to start in your mind. Second Corinthians 10, 5 says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Listen to this. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The hint, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ that is what it means. That's what we're talking about a hint. Take your thoughts captive. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. In Proverbs chapter 4 verse, 20, uh, verse 23 it says, Guard your heart above all else for it is the source of life. Your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. The woman in Proverbs chapter 7, she basically seduced and tempted the guy in two ways. With what she wore and with what she said. With what she wore and with what she said. So here's the deal. We need to be careful. We need to be careful. We need to critically, critically evaluate. Write that word. Write that down. The phrase down, critically evaluate. We need to critically evaluate everything. This is what the high school student said last Sunday night. We need to critically evaluate what we listen to, the kind of music we listen to. We need to critically evaluate the kind of TV shows we're watching, the kind of movies we're going to, the kind of people we're hanging out with. We need to critically evaluate those things Every area of our lives, we need to critically evaluate. We need to ask the question is this helping my heart or is this harming my heart? Is this making me stronger spiritually or is this making me weaker spiritually? We need to remember in our minds, we need to remember this. Discipline weighs ounces, regret weighs tons. Discipline weighs ounces, regret weighs tons. Two last thoughts, two last thoughts, if you'll bear with me. Number one, I want to say this again. I am not up here pounding away, hellfire or brimstone. You're going to hell if you've done these things. If you've done these things, what you need to do is what Paul tells us to do. I tell you, I said this last week, I tell you these things, the word of God, okay? I tell you these things so you will not sin. Yay, you're all dismissed, okay? Okay. I tell you these things so you will not sin. Ah, but if anyone does sin, we have one who goes to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. You Listen to me. You make a mistake. You're here. I've made a mistake. I have sinned against God. The Holy Spirit has convicted me. I feel conviction. What do I do? I ask for forgiveness. When I ask for forgiveness, God forgives me. God promises to forgive me. If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I am now pure. I've sinned. I've been convicted. I've asked for forgiveness. He's forgiven me. And I move on. I move on. My feelings may still be here. I still feel, I feel bad about what I've done. I still feel guilt What I've done. That's your feelings. You move forward. You've been forgiven. You move forward and let your feelings catch up to you. They will catch up to you, but you move forward. What Satan wants you to do is feel condemned and keep you here. I feel convicted. I ask forgiveness. God has forgiven me. I move on. If I make a mistake right here, I ask forgiveness and I move on. Let my feelings catch up. And you say, well, I do this stuff over and over and over again. I don't care if you do it over and over and over again. If you love the Lord, he will help you overcome it in time. But when you sin, you ask forgiveness and you move on. You don't give up. His grace is greater than all of your mistakes. He can overcome all of your mistakes all the time. If you do it every other day, he can help you overcome it. Do not give up. That's number one. His grace is sufficient. He will forgive you. You need to move on. Okay, you can't get caught in that trap. Number two, my gosh, people, we need to protect each other. We need to we need to hold each other. We need to choose accountability partners and protect each other. You need people in your life are going to help you and love you. Guys, don't put the girls in difficult situations and vice versa. Don't put each other in difficult situations. People say, well, I do this. I want to do this because I love this person. I love them so much. I want to do this because I just love you so much. First off, spare me, okay? Spare me. Love is about giving to someone. It's not about taking something that doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to you. Love is about giving. It's not about taking. Let me read you something as we close in 1 Corinthians 13 4 through 8. You've heard this before. Listen to the words. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong, wrongs. Love delights. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's love. I don't care how the world defines love. That's love. Love. That's love if you love someone you'll protect them you won't be self-seeking We need to help each other in this area. We need to stand together No one is immune to what i'm talking about No one is immune to temptation But we need to stand on the word of god and we need to surround each other with love and protect each other In every way we can let's bow our heads in a word of prayer god. Thank you so much for this time that we can spend together Just pray, dear God, with all of my heart. God, you know my heart, and you know I know how difficult this is to hear. But, Father, we can't water down your word. We can't tickle ears and make people just feel like this stuff doesn't matter. It matters to you, so it matters to us. We pray, dear God, for every single person in this room. None of us are perfect. So we pray that we would stand together, that we would do life together, that we would love each other through this. Father, that we protect each other and become the people you created us to be. May we stand upon your word and live a life worthy of a calling that we have through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you're a dad, we have plants outside for you. We have tomato plants and and uh, and some other, you know, vegetable plants for you. And if you'd like for the dads or, you know, you can have some some snacks on the way out if you'd like.